trying. All right. Here we are. Hey, welcome back, Brad. Thanks, You buddy. missed the big show because, yesterday uh, with Sean. Yeah. I, I listened to it, though. You guys did a good job. I was, I was oh, impressed. Went, went long, too. Yeah, well, you know me. I just talk, and, and uh, I'm conversational, and I don't have a script. That's why I was kind of joking yeah. with Sean. I said, normally Brad keeps us all organized here and on point. But if it's me, we're just going to wander around and talk about just about everything under the sun. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it got into a you know a really good discussion about you know mining and proof of work and you know the different the um what did he what was it called uh stagnant energy or there was some phrase about like non recaptured energy stuff that's just uh, doesn't get used so. Um, yeah. To power mining, so it was you know the the methane flares. I think Sean brought up the composting one, um, and a couple of others uh, using different types of methane. And, and to me, look, that's you know that that's stuff that people aren't really you know outside of our circle aren't thinking about at all. You know, so yeah, it's always good agree. to talk to him. He was under the weather though, oh, as man. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I I sent him a thank you this, this morning, saying thanks for doing it. Appreciate you. Uh, doing it sick. So that's good. That's good. Otherwise, it would have just been you rambling on. Yeah, that always gets difficult when it's the man talking to the man in the mirror, basically. That's always a worrying sign. <laughs> you that's know. funny. So, sometimes like, my daughter's giving me shit. She's like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, oh, I'm just game theorying stuff in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. That's fucking hilarious. Um, so I don't have, I'm trying to see if I have much news here to load up today. Cause I I did do a list of, uh, I'm not a big fan of trying to do the year in review shit, but you know, I started, I started hammering out kind of highlights from the year and they're all fucking depressing. (laughs) There's nothing where I'm like, woo, that was great. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, 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 uh, hey. I, I'm going to go through the list, but uh, it's kind of crazy. Let me just jump before you go to the list on something. Fun, something that Sean said yesterday, he was like, you know, talking about Tara and stuff. And he goes, you know, the one thing I loved about Tara was that giant wick down. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and I started thinking, <laughs> yeah, all those total clusterfuck disasters, you know, totally benefit that trading strategy, you know, where you're yeah. just sitting in stasis waiting. And then when the big yeah, move happens, I, I guess you got to make sure you're ready for it. But, you know, then, you know, you can, you, you know, you take advantage, obviously, in big ways. So, so it's funny yeah. how the Tron does, not Tron, the, uh, uh, what were we just trying to say? Terra disaster has a positive too, you know, on the other side of it. Oh, so definitely. it's yeah, hard, for the guys it's hard to put these lists together. Out of it, they made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I'm trying to pull up to see if there's anything brand new here today that we really need to uh, take a look at. Yes. I'm not seeing a shit ton. Uh, Japanese uh, version of FTX is actually going to start withdrawals in February. Uh, the Japanese government's doing something to make that happen. So that's interesting that um, uh, when a government wants to, they can uh, move fast. Um, uh, Kathy Wood is buying more Coinbase. Uh, thinks it's a bargain, so she's uh, she's stacking up on those coin shares. Um, is that what they're called? They're coin, right? That's their ticker. Yeah, C O I N, I believe, is a ticker. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, um, so she's out there buying up more of that shit, which is uh, interesting. Uh, and then I saw while I was traveling that uh, this this freak show Andrew Tate <laughs> got arrested. Do you know this guy? I don't know him, but I sort of figured it out. I loved Ali G's oh, tweet dude. out showing a tombstone with Tate on it and Greta Thunberg over the body. <laughs> yeah, it was hysterical, man. I mean, everybody's just going Greta one Tate zero, and I'm like, yeah. I wasn't following that. Somebody, story at all. I just somebody it actually. Somebody actually edited his Wikipedia page about his fights and put it at the top of the list because it shows his fight, you know, and they put it at the top yeah. of the list. Opponent Greta Thunberg, Thunberg lost. <laughs> yeah, and then the arena was Twitter. And then the fights yeah, below exactly. were like, you know, some other Romanian dudes yeah. he was fighting, I guess, every day. You know, look, I think Greta Thun Thunberg's a little bit over the edge, but that was fucking... <laughs> hilarious i mean well you know what, uh, uh you know the funny i mean not funny haha but funny in whatever way but you know what's the guy on for like sex trafficking charges and then all these dudes are posting all over him i was a lost and lonely young man until i met andrew tate and he you know did whatever to help those kids out and i'm like what is he doing Re recruiting boys or is he trafficking no, you know well no the problem, is, it's so the bizarre is, is he has no the problem is he has tons tons of teenage boys that look up to him and see him as a model for being a man and he is a yeah. total piece of shit abusive asshole treats people to be shitty and selfish and just you know just he's a piece of shit he's just a scumbag and he's making bank by being an asshole and and look he is no different than all the other arrogant assholes in DeFi. like i mean everyone that it's that same thing this human need to find someone who is a total dick and who has a total ego problem and worship them and follow them so look you know it's it just the whole thing is a fucking spectacle um and look if he was trafficking and abusing women then look I hope he goes to prison. And a Romanian prison doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. Yeah. No, I so, think you are. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think at that point, then, you become the trafficked one uh, in that Romanian prison. Yeah. So, He's going to find out what it's like to treat uh, women <laughs> like shit. Yeah. Being on the wrong end of the power dynamic never works. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, um listen you know i i actually i think we can uh um we can uh, keep it pretty tight today um i do yeah. like i said have a list of shit that happened this year um and as i was going through it i probably missed stuff um but we had at the beginning of the year um the whole wonderland thing right um, yeah and mm -hmm. i think that was like the first big cascading liquidation that fucked it up um and euphoric says tate was released today and claims he was arrested for money laundering oh interesting well i haven't i haven't seen any updates on it i did see the romanian police put out a thing saying what he was arrested for it <laughs> says he was arrested for having a small dick he was definitely beat down by greta yeah he wasn't richard Hart, uh, right yeah <laughs> with exactly. his big pp license exactly. plate um, exactly 
Um, so anyway, I mean, you know, first we started off with Wonderland and Daniel Sesta, what's his real name? Sesta Gala, Sesta, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that debacle of ego-based bad management, um, just poor. And I frankly still think that in that scenario, that was, that was actually just bad decision-making. Um, I think that was a salvageable potential, um, uh, situation, but he just made bad management after bad management decision um, that just created a spiraling impact uh, around the whole thing with Sifu and the whole thing with what was going on with the protocol and then how he tried to deal with it afterwards. It was just, you know, look, once once mm-hmm. the cascade started, the, the deal was done. Then we had all of the Olympus clones, right? So uh, yep. we made a few bucks on a few of those and had some fun with it. Um, you know what I'm trying to fucking remember? I can't think of the name of it. What was the one? What was the one where we live streamed uh, the project? Snow Dog was doing the Snow Dog. That was it. I couldn't think of the fucking name of it. Snow Dog live streaming that. That was insane. I should put that clip out. I'll put the. I'll retweet that that show. Um, but that was nuts. Uh, trying to catch that and, and missing the. I think I had forty thousand dollars on the table and and missed that uh, that click. But uh, that was insanity. That was just nuts, dude. Um, we had the Wonderland Danielle takeover of sushi that was supposed to happen. Um, do, you, do you remember that one? Oh, Snow by dog, the way, guys, right? Joe is. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Danielle Siesta, Siesta trying to take over uh, sushi, I said. Oh, uh, anyway. Yes, I do. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm moving. Okay. All right, you're breaking up a little bit anyway. So we had Danielle trying to take over um, sushi. Um, and that was uh, that was supposed to be the the big salvation of merging sushi with the Wonderland tool uh, protocols. And um uh, you know, that was going to be the thing that really brought sushi out of kind of the doldrums that it was in. And of course, then uh, shortly thereafter, the entire Wonderland uh, fiasco occurred. And so sushi was left in a worse position than it was prior to the attempt by him to take it over. Um, so that was a real total mess. Um, let's see. Niblet said cascades of bad business decisions after a meteoric rise by a complete complete douche seems to be an increasingly common pattern almost like their rise was due to luck more than acumen yeah look i mean i think the rise has to do with arrogance and an attitude and the luck is part of it but i think there's just this need uh for people to um worship somebody and to be a part of a cult and for some reason they think that's how tribes are supposed to work you know um it's it's a sad statement on humanity that so many of these assholes rise up um, and that we, for some reason, have this need in amongst some members of society uh, to believe in things and people and cults um, in order to make our lives feel better. And um, I think we've seen yeah. uh, multiple examples of that. Danielle, uh, Do Kwan, um, you know, SBF, the three AC guys. I mean, w- we've just seen that lesson over and over and over again this year. Yeah, it's not it's not just in crypto too. I was gonna say it's not just in crypto, you know, that there's yeah people look for a savior and they want someone to basically tell them it's gonna be okay. And so they are vulnerable to these types of leadership arguments. 
So particularly with yeah. people that are looking to make money or looking to change their position in society and, you know, like they trust them. But what do we say all yeah. the time? Don't trust anybody. Yeah. Particularly don't with trust money. Them. Don't trust yourself. Exactly. And look, I mean, again, like you said, this is not an unusual thing in human existence. And Niblet said, yes, that needs that need to follow seems to be the enabler. It's exactly what happens over and over again. And, you know, all of it points back to what is trying to be created here, which is decentralized finance and a no need to trust. Right. It's like what you and Sean were talking about yesterday on the show. Um, you know, his whole um, argument, which comes from a libertarian perspective, right? Which is mm -hmm. we, the reason he's in this is you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't have to trust anyone. You should be able to have a system that functions without trust as a necessity, except for trust in yourself. Right. And yeah. so that problem can be somewhat solved with decentralization, but at the end of the day, there will still be people who come into this system, this decentralized trustless system, but the trust then becomes, I trust them to deliver what they said they were going to deliver, right? I trust that the code will do what it says it will do. I trust that the project is going to be a big success because some the next bombastic, arrogant asshole says he's created the next greatest thing. And so I think that yeah. is um, always going to be a problem in this world. Um, and but hopefully what decentralized finance will do will allow us to um, level the playing field against the assholes and allow people to kind of actually un start understanding and seeing what's working and what's not working using the data that's available on chain um, in mm -hmm. order to uh, make better decisions. Right. And so that becomes something that um, uh, also, I think, from a decentralized finance perspective, allows us to get better at uh being humans. Um, euphoric yeah. says people have been conditioned to trust. Uh, euphoric says people have been conditioned to trust the biggest cult called government. Look, I think there is part of that uh, is true. I think, look, trust in government is at an all time low uh, right now and has been on a steady decline for a long, a large number of years. Um, and look, at the end of the day, government is just people, right? And it all comes down to incentives. It all comes down to um, understanding the incentives of those people that are in positions of power in government and what they're what they want from it and until people engage and take part in the system uh, and make their power known as voters um, and actually involve themselves in the process then that's what we're going to get continue to get stuck with but i definitely agree with yeah. you that um, there is a trust there that shouldn't be necessarily all the time yeah you got to look out for yourself and, you know, and, and then you also have to think about, you know, well, making sure the governments don't go authoritarian so that, you know, then they have all the power too, uh, to enforce your yeah. daily lives. So that's something that we have to, you know, again, how do you do that? You vote, you go advocate for your positions, just do all the things like the way we engage on this show, you know, but you do it in the political yeah. world, um, if that's your thing. Um, but I do think that there is a lack of trust out there. Um, and it makes sense, you know, over the last 15 years, when you see what's happened in various uh, markets. But I, I tend to think it's more of the finance side that I distrust. You know, um, yeah, government policy people, they're all just, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say anything, you know, how do I say this in a nice way? Um, their incentives aren't really aligned to do a bunch of stuff like you do in the private sector. You know, their incentives right. are to survive. And, exactly. you know, and... 
and sort of, um, what would be the word, sort of manage the, I guess, the system, so to speak. But then when you get people in too much power, then they get corrupted. And then, you know, it shifts from the people to the person. And once that starts happening, you know, then you need those checks and balances. Um, and I think, you know, Absolutely. in finance, same way. One thing Sean said yesterday that I was really, he has a term, you know, sort of proof of work, you know, he, the banking system, he calls it proof of violence. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to think of it um, because it's, you know, proof of enforcement, proof of power. You know, it's, it's yeah. those things um, with the, you know, I guess the violence part is the threat of enforcement. And, you know, and not so, he's not talking about, you know, Ireland or the U.S. or those places as much. He's more talking about, you know, like third world countries where all of a sudden, right. you know, you can discriminate against a whole minority class of, you know, 20% of your population and deny them access to banking or other social services or, you know, anything because you got a grudge against that tribe. You know, that's where that's I right. think you know, these principles can really play out. I mean, we've got all of our, our, you know, first world problems to deal with, but it's so many orders of magnitude more severe in these other countries. Yeah, I agree. And they're Absolutely. the ones, they uh, seem most susceptible to these culty leaders too. That's, that's the thing that's uh, troubling, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Shizzy said, so Greta is now the top G. Um, look, I, I think Greta just won the day with that tweet, man. I, I look, you know, there's plenty, I think that is wrong with, with, with Greta's approach to things and as, as well as everybody else's, but, uh, you know, having the, <laughs> to answering that guy that way was just beautiful. I mean, that was just the take of the day. So I uh, love Nibble the email said, address. Mal said all, oh, yeah. God. Mao said all power flows down the barrel of a gun. So Sean and Mao agree. Well, look, I mean, it's a common, this uh, proof of violence thing, I think is where, and Sean can always chime in next week or on text here. Um, but this proof of violence thing is a common libertarian model. And it's, it's funny because I don't consider myself a pure libertarian. I consider myself a very social libertarian um, and in business and in capitalism um, lean very heavily that way. But there are some things um, I still don't trust companies and markets to do like, you know, pharmaceuticals and flying planes with, you know, or controlling the flight of planes or uh, safety issues. So there are some things I still have difficulty letting go of, but the common argument is this. Uh, from the libertarian side of things is that um, at the end of the day, all of these rules have to be enforced via guns, right? So yeah, the point is, is that um, any laws or regulations that exist in, in, in the world, um, the only way ultimately to enforce them is threat of violence, right? That whether it's the threat of violence that you're going to be imprisoned and so they will use a gun to bring you to prison, whether it's the threat of violence that you will be shot because you are trying to defend yourself or you have a gun or whatever you're doing. Um, I, and I think that's really the argument is, is that regulations from government um, almost always the, is that there is a threat of violence if you don't comply with the regulation. And, um, and if you violate the regulations, your imprisonment is at the point of a gun to get you to be put into jail. And so I think that's the, um, that's the argument of, of proof of violence uh, at the core for the, that the libertarian model has. So, you know, anyway. yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I can get part of that argument, you know, when you, if you do any travel in the West or, 
Yeah, you know, you see that the issues are different out there than they are, say, in, you know, D.C. or Manhattan or something like, or, you know, Miami for that matter. You know, when you're in, like, these big clusters of humanity, you have to have rules. And it doesn't, um, you know, because I don't really believe that anarchy would or could work. Um, To me, there's always going to be rules. But when you get out to the country, to the rural settings, you know, I can see because there's not as many people piled on top of each other that all these rules must seem so uh, draconian to them because it really makes a tangible difference in their day. Whereas to someone like like me, you know, I don't really see it as much. You know what I mean? Joe, you're breaking breaking up. Sorry, man. Uh, hear me now? Uh, right, you try go. Again. I'll wait till I get a signal again. No, go ahead. You're good. Now you can talk. Now you're now you're coming through. Joe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm Joe, losing I'm, it, dude. I'm uh, muted. Okay. Uh, Euphoric says absolute power ab- corrupts absolutely. Right, and it doesn't matter yep. the circumstances. Power in government, power in corporations, power in whatever. Um, almost always leads to some level of corruption. And and it's not hard to see it happen uh, as well. Um, you, you, if you've ever been in a position of uh, accelerated power in a corporation or accelerated power in a given situation, you can find yourself um, changing your behavior and being more of an asshole. I, I have found that in the past when, when I've had that sense of, of success and things growing and uh, people kind of... Um, uh, giving in to you because you have been successful at something. What happens is, is that just feeds this cycle of I can do no wrong. And then you're surrounded by people that tell you, you can do no wrong. And then you realize that, okay, I have this power. I don't want to let it go and I can do no wrong. So I, I definitely agree that that, that adage is true. And uh, it's definitely a problem we have as humans. So uh Sean said the basis of U.S. is decentralization of ex- executive power. It's a good model. Y- yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that was the entire idea was this this decentralization of government um, into the states. Um, and but the problem is, um, as soon as people have power and control, that they try to dictate it downwards. That said, the other side of it, from the perspective of being an American, is. Um, it, it, you know, some of the rules and laws like civil rights laws and rights to decide who you can marry and those kinds of things um, <clears throat> have been dictated from the federal government. And there are some of us that think, well, you know, we probably shouldn't have a state in our country that allows racial discrimination or slavery or, you know, whatever. And we should have equality amongst the laws in the state. So it becomes a rather weird uh, hybrid in, in terms of how the federal government actually works versus what it should, how it should work. Yeah. Shizzy says, yeah. Joe needs to start a of signal staking, LOL. I love the realness. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. What do you say? He said, this show, needs to start, this show needs to start a proof of signal staking, LOL. I love the realness. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because that tension, you know, when you look at like the way um, checks and balances were set up between the executive branch, legislative and judiciary at the federal level. And then you have this other big tension between the federalism and states rights. 
And, and that yeah. is what most of the fights politically in this country about is, is it a federal decision or is it a state decision? And the most of the Supreme Court precedent tends to defer to the states, okay, over, yeah. over federal. And so, you know, you have that. But then at the same time, you have a movement out of like the Federalist Society and Cato and these other groups, what they call the unitary executive theory. And they believe in like an all-powerful president. So they try to strengthen the executive branch presidency more in line with, uh, you know, um, a stronger, you know, that can sort of supersede the other branches, you know, checks and balances. And to me, I think that's a mistake because I don't think we need a strong unitary executive. I, I, I would hope eventually we devolve into a little more chaos like the British or other parliamentary democracy systems where you have to build coalitions to govern versus just yep. a strict two-party system. But, you know, it's always going to be a sausage factory no matter what when, you know, people pick the leaders and everybody can say no to everybody else. But, you know, that's what we signed up for. So it is what it is. Yeah, as Sean says, Sean said, moral values are a movable feast. Looking at history through the lens of today's moral values is unfair. 300 years ago, it was morally correct to burn witches. Yeah, sure. No, I, I totally yeah. get what you're saying. And, and yeah, um, <clears throat> it, it is a movable feast. Um, but sometimes centralized control actually changes those rules uh, versus decentralized control. It's interesting. I think I talked about this after the election, but I'm not sure. Uh, I did tweet about it. There was... Um, there was a really interesting uh, tactic uh, taken uh, politically in the U.S. elections um, this last November or previous to November with the promotions. And that was um, people that were fighting against um, abortion rights in several states, five states, I think it was. And they bound to, they uh, they joined together and took a strategic approach to that specific issue that peeled off voters that typically were more conservative and would not have voted for say Democrats and peeled those mm -hmm. voters off to vote to support abortion rights or in opposition to amendments that were being added to state constitutions. And it dawned on me, and then they did that by emphasizing freedom, freedom to do with what's your body, freedom. They, they would put ads together yeah. for congressional candidates and for the issues about freedom of guns, freedom of, to do what you want with your body, et cetera, et cetera. And those campaigns were incredibly successful. And the thing that it, it dawned on for me was that is a form of decentralization of government decisions that I could really get behind because in the United States, and I'm sorry for everybody outside of the United States to be stuck on this, but inside the United States, this, this polarization of the, of the electorate, which is so stark and so strong right now and, and causes, you know, shutdowns in Congress and causes the government to not function efficiently, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> it is because we believe we have to stick with what our tribe says, right? We, and, and that's normal for humans, right? So I'm a Democrat. I must vote for all these Democratic things and everything the Democrats says is right. I'm a Republican, blah, 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 blah. Same thing, right? What's yeah. interesting mm -hmm. though is if you actually take Republicans and Democrats out and ask them about specific issues framed as the opposition parties point on those issues, they will often support that despite the fact that they would not vote that way if they knew that that's how the Democrats voted versus that's how the Republicans voted. So what this experiment yeah. taught me was that there was a way that, that one of the things that we most need to do from a decentralization perspective in governing and voting and elections and democracy is 
to be able to bring it away from congressional voting and bring it into states' rights voting, but um, voting on these amendments and, and these issues as constitutional amendments or governments, governance laws and regulations by the states and allow people to make decisions based on the actual issue as opposed to what they think their tribe is supposed to do. Anyway, rambling on yeah, about that, but point. I just thought it was really interesting how that allows it to happen. Now in the state of Florida, um, the Republicans have controlled the state government for decades and they have dramatically weakened the ability of the, um, the people in the state to do constitutional amendments uh, without giving approval by the uh, legislature in the, in the state. But um, that is still a vehicle I think has potential for showing how decentralization of governance can actually occur. Um, and so anyway, yeah. uh, rambling on about. No, ab no, no, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I can't remember what's the, those brothers. The, I think it's the Koch brothers or whatever. And they've been running around for like the last 20 years in the state legislators nominating people um, that fit their view of the states versus federal state rights versus federalism. You see a lot of that going on um, on the progressive side, too. So you see all these battles. But I think when you're talking about the abortion issue, um, you know, I'm thinking about the Kansas vote in particular, which, you know, who yep. would have thought that, you know, 70 percent right. were yep. with, you know, the, the, you know, I guess the, you know, women's rights side of it. Let's put it that way. Um, and that's because it was framed that way. Once you frame it up yep. as should women be allowed to do whatever they want? It's a pretty easy question to answer. <laughs> if you're yep. answering it yep. wrong, exactly. you're pretty much dead in the water at that point. So I think it's how yeah. we phrase things linguistically that gets people tripped up. Well, and I think the most important thing here is is prying issues away from party, right? And that's why I've that's why I'm for um, uh, ranked choice voting. That's why I'm for you know decentralizing the election process so the concentration isn't on party and tribe. It's it's separating an issue away from the tribe so that it's framed as people think about it. So people can think about it as an issue vote as opposed to thinking about it as, oh shit, I'm a Democrat, I have to do it this way. Or, oh shit, I'm a Republican, I have to do it this way. That, And I think that's yeah. what's really important. I think you're right. The framing of it is what's critical. Niblet said, I buy all of this, but Peru provides a counterfactual. Six presidents in five yeah. years and political chaos because of weak parties and weak executive. Yeah, no, look, I mean, well, uh, at the end of the day, I, I mean, obviously there are other a number of factors that go into the chaos there, but yeah, I, I get what your point is. Yeah. And look, um, you know, that's the other extreme, of course, you know, to say authoritarian dictatorship, you know, is kind of a, no yeah. way to ever. I mean, you see it in Israeli politics, too. And, you know, and now Bibi's back in, I think, as of yesterday, you know, um, and how many times? Three times and you now um, total chaos in that political system. And you see a little bit, you see a lot yeah. in, in Britain now too. So it's somewhere it's not quite that extreme, but it's also not authoritarian dictatorship. So it's somewhere in the middle. And again, I don't know the answer. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's that's yeah, I don't know what we need to be thinking about because we know because we know the best, most efficient governments are you know basically fascist governments because nobody can say no. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. you know we don't want that. Okay, they're very efficient in making decisions. It doesn't mean they're making correct decisions. Um, we need exactly. this messy uh, hodgepodge of opinion and these sort of half halfway decisions or in the middle of the road compromises that everybody hates. 
um, but they work. And, and that's kind of the thing I think a lot of people have to understand or, or think through when they make choices. But, you know, like you said, yep. it's, you know, you have these two groups, some strongly, I mean, they basically inherit party identification, you know, as Democrats and Republicans. And then in the middle, I think it's about 35% now. Um, I haven't really seen the numbers from 30 years, but it was always right around 20 to 30% of what the independents or the issue voters, as we call them. People who actually go down the list and look at all the issues and do a pro and con and go, okay, I like seven of this guy's things and I like four of these, this gal's things, so I'm going to vote for this guy um, versus, you know, whoever they throw up because I'm part of that team, I'm going to vote for them. Um, so yeah, to me, I exactly. think more, more of that, more of that, vote for what benefits you, not for what benefits everybody else that you associate with. Yeah, I agree. Look, you don't have to toe the party line. You can vote on an issue as an issue. And, and frankly, um, I, as a voter uh, and an active participant in politics, would love it if I didn't have to vote for a human at all. I, I could just vote. I mean, obviously, that doesn't scale. But if I could just vote. Well, maybe. Um, how about based on chat GPT for awesome. president? Chat there GPT for I president. Mean, it would probably be more effective. Uh, MicroStrategy is going to introduce Bitcoin Lightning applications next year. Sounds like it's more hosting oriented and a Lightning wallet. Uh, they're going to offer Lightning servers. I guess you'll be able to spin mm. up your own server, whatever. But uh, I think that's a good move for him as a tech company. You know, yep. the, the firm uh, MicroStrategy's kind of become seen mm -hmm. as just a holding company for Bitcoin. So I think that's a really yeah. good move on their part. Makes total sense. Um, you know, it'll support what they're already doing with their collection. You saw what they did, how they um, they bought more Bitcoin the other day, right? Well, they, they wash traded everything. See that. They wash traded everything, yeah, evidently. Well, they like, did the 10 year yeah. tax thing that Take we talked loss. about, dumped it all yeah. and bought it all back, evidently, so, or a big chunk. So they have more Bitcoin than they had to start. Um, right. So, you know, so today's the, the 20th. Yeah, so today's the 29th. So, you know, I'm no tax advisor, but. You know, if you got gains that need to we be offset, not, you should, yeah. Yeah. We are not tax Correct. or financial advisors. You should consult an attorney, an accountant, and whomever else you think can help you give you give you good advice. You should not take advice from us. But there are people like Michael Saylor's company, MicroStrategy, that are dumping their holdings at the end of the year and buying it back because they'll be able to take a tax loss on the sale of those items. Um, exactly. Because it's a cap in the United States, capital gains tax uh, anyway, so thought that was interesting. Llama Nodes has launched, started launching their nodes. Uh, they claim to be one of the fastest node hosting companies in the, uh, on the net. Started out with Ethereum. Uh, so that is now out. Llama Nodes is part of the DeFi Llama family. Um, and, you know, I, I frankly think that group of companies is doing all the right things. They've launched a yeah. media company that launched last week. They've launched uh, Llama nodes. They have all of their new tools, et cetera, et cetera. So that's out and about. If you need an RPC node, um, you may want to check uh, check it out. Llama, it's at Llama nodes on Twitter. Uh, looks like Sam Bankman-Fried is going to enter a plea deal next week uh, to criminal charges he defrauded investors. So this thing may get wrapped up sooner than later. It doesn't mean the bankruptcy process or the payouts uh, to creditors, et cetera, is going to get wrapped up any sooner than 15 years from now. But, um, you know, maybe we can stop talking about this guy. Uh, yeah. For, for, a, for a while. I was pretty surprised about when he just said that, because with Caroline already cutting her deal, 
a $250,000 bail deal with, I think, no prosecution and some house arrest. And Wang cut his deal. I think that's his name. You know, and you, everybody thinks Sam Trabuco is the one that's been diving on everybody the whole time. I just don't see what deal there is there for SBF. Um, I mean, I don't see any leniency coming, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, I mean, I think probably what, what they'll feel? do is, you know, I, I look, I think what they're going to, so they don't have to go to trial, so they don't have to fuck with this, so they don't have to spend, look, because at the end yeah. of the day, the way that the def you defend against this, if you're SBF, is you bog the government down into massive need for financial analysis and forensics, and you really like, you know, dump this thing into the nitty gritty of every transaction that occurred and every token that was transferred and proving who did it and proving how it was done. You know, this saves them, you know, three yeah. years of trying this case. And so that in re that what he gets in return for that is probably a lighter sentencing recommendation that he would have gotten if he fought it. And I think that's all yeah. he's got, you know, and probably he also, you know, the smart move would have been on the way out the door to, I mean, I know there was a lot of holdings moving around, but he might've snatched some of that. Remember that stuff that was hacked out of by the Bahamas or somebody like yeah. that, they were saying, yeah. and yeah. you know, he might be holding those wallets and saying, you know, through his lawyers, of course, that, Hey, look, you know, we'll be willing to throw in, you know, whatever, 2 billion into the settlement. Um, you know, however that turns out, <laughs> like, yeah. hey, so, you, you know, good. Yep. Niblet's asked if I've sit if I'm sitting in thirty approximately thirty thousand is it better to buy ETH or Ethereum nodes? Well, I mean, look if you're going to buy thirty thousand worth of ETH, I would stake it. Um, I, I think that's the question you're asking. I personally it wouldn't be financial advice, but I personally would stake it to earn more ETH. And the bet that I would make if I were doing that um, would be that Ethereum eventually is going to go up in price. And so for me, I want more Ethereum and, and um, I would optimize for more Ethereum. So from my perspective, if you're going to have the ETH and holding it, you might as well put it in a node. Um, but, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't, uh, yeah. I can't argue one way or the other. Uh, he said ETH is more liquid, but nodes deliver reliable cash flow on top of unit price appreciation. Yeah, but you don't have to go in for a full stoke. Use a liquid staking operation. Uh, Rocket, Lido, uh, Anchor, those are all... Uh, well, I shouldn't say those are all. Some of those you can actually do liquid staking and uh, pull it, pull your money out anytime. You're just not going to earn as much as you would if you set up the nodes yourself. So that, if that's what you're worried about, is being able to get liquid and get out of it, um, that's where I would look uh, from my perspective. What's that? Yeah, I, you know, also, no, I was going to say also. Um, I, you know, I was on Geist this morning and I saw that they're paying 5.8%, I think plus another couple of points for ETH um, if you, you know, borrow against or at least deposit it. So there's a lot of other stuff out there in that 5 to 7% range that you can find. But of course, you know, you're yeah. taking protocol risk. You know, it's not That's just right. node risk. So yeah, I, I kind of exactly. might lean toward that staking in the nodes just because um, like you, I believe it's going up. And particularly since it's deflationary, I believe it's going yeah. up. So, you know, I guess however you do Susie, it in a risk-efficient way is the smart move on nodes. Six, uh, Shizzy said liquid staking has huge risks too. Uh, and I agree. I mean, there is still protocol risk with liquid staking and you're risking whomever you're doing the liquid staking through. So that is definitely some risk as opposed to holding the node yourself. Now, you know, Niblets, if this is something you figure – 
you figure, you know, you're going to hold for years. Um, my own personal belief is that Ethereum is eventually going to allow you to withdraw those nodes and, and, you know, you can gain back if, if Ethereum goes up, but you know, um, that's certainly up to you, but Shizzy said third party risks are scary. Yeah, Shizzy, I totally agree with you, but look, I mean, everything in this space is, uh, every protocol that you would invest in, in this space is, is seemingly a third party risk, whether it's hacking, uh, exploits, whatever. I mean, there's always the risk that there's something wrong there. Now, in terms of liquid staking, maybe there's a higher sense of risk there because if you're doing liquid staking with a um, third party and you're not doing it with like um, like a, a rocket pool where um, you know somebody else has to custody and control your coins, then yeah, there's even more third a scary risk there in terms of just kind of what we've seen with centralized exchanges. So uh, Sean said being illiquid in a bear market is scary. Definitely. Uh, I get that. Um, look, you know, everyone's talking about uh, hitting the bottom here in the next few months and that there's uh, life changing money to be made. And so maybe niblets, you don't want that money locked up in real nodes. So your, your options really are, uh, you know, locking it up because you just want to hold it and not deal with it and mess with it. Um, being able to be liquid and being in a liquid staking opportunity, but taking on the risk of third party risk and contracts, et cetera, or, you know, sit on USDC, wait till we, you feel like we've hit the bottom and uh, buy in uh, at the bottom for the long March up. I, I don't know. Um, Trader Joe is now available uh, on Avalanche and now Arbitrum. And I'm seeing more and more shit moving mm -hmm. to Arbitrum, Joe. Um, and it, it seems to be the, the winner of the year, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Polygon had an amazing year. Don't get me wrong. Lots of amazing deals, big companies, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, et cetera, all deploying on Polygon. But it's hard to argue with the fact that Arbitrum has really had a nice growth trajectory over the last year. And, um, a lot of projects launching there, a lot of people moving there. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But speaking of moving, um, two of the biggest uh, Solana uh, NFT projects, and I'm not going to remember their names right now. I had the article earlier, but I don't, can't find it, are moving to Polygon. Um, and Ooh. frankly, the uh, big drops in Solana over the last few weeks after the whole FTX debacle and then just in general, I think people are losing faith in Solana itself as a chain and as a platform. Um, people are saying that there's still more downside for Solana, which has dropped precipitously over the last few days. Um, I personally am not making any bets on Solana. And I think there's a lot of developers looking to move off of Solana, including a couple that I talked to that have successful projects that are, um, um, are moving off. So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, Shizzy said Trader Joe on Arby. This is big news. Don't know how I missed that. Yeah. Uh, they and they're launching their new liquidity book AMM system, which I haven't taken a deep dive into, but sounds pretty cool. Sounds kind of like um, uh, a cross between a hybrid between a couple of different protocols. But I know that Trader Joe is going very hardcore on trying to be um, a, rather than the copy paste that they started as or the fork that they started as uh, trying to be a hardcore uh, player in the space with innovative uh, technologies. So really cool to see them uh, doing making this move. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I've been in messing around in RB Trim for a while. And I remember at the beginning when everybody first started there, when it was like RB's finance or something. And I went in and I'm like, oh, interesting. You can bridge in pretty easy. You know, costs are cheap. But, you know, then there wasn't a lot going on. 
And then lo and behold, what, yeah. a year and a half, two years later, I mean, it's packed with, you know, now Trader Joe's yeah. is a Dex, but if there's other ones, there's perps, there's everything there. And some really cool other protocols. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm in about, you know, I, I bought chunks of like 15 or 16 things on there just because, you know, I was, you know, I was chasing airdrops basically. Airdrop, and um, airdrop. So I got yeah, it's coming eventually, but who really cares? But I, but yeah, I could use a couple grand. But the thing is that, um, you know, it made me look at a whole bunch of those protocols. And yeah, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to think you laugh too much, but uh, you know, they're cool. So I recommend more people head over there and spend time because it is going to be one in the next cycle in particular. That I think is going to be um, outpacing uh, Solana, Avalanche. You know, hopefully not Phantom, but you know those legacy ones. I think uh, it's gonna it's gonna surpass. So, very interesting yeah, stuff going absolutely. on there. John said, "I'm guessing under Trader Joe is not Joe zero zero seven. I don't get the joke, but I'm sure it's a uh, Joe 007. So that's a Bond reference. So there must be somebody yeah, who's a big trader. Yeah." Who's a big trader that uses that tag? That's Sean. Trader Joe is a is an AMM on Avalanche. Sean. uh, Sean Uh, Sean might not know what Avalanche is. Outside of the (laughs) uh, on the Avalanche Layer One blockchain, uh, yeah, was was the leading is the leading Dex there, Uh, and uh, so them moving to Arbitrum is a big deal. Joe, that's all I got today, buddy. Uh, What were you gonna say, bud? Oh no, I was uh, I was waiting for you again. Um, we're waiting for each other. But no, I was going to say Sean would if you asked Sean the ticker for Avalanche, he would say uh, dollar dollar sign shitcoin. coin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rest of the year was layer twos. We had the Ethereum merge. Uh, Andre yep. Kranye with his inelegant, stupid uh, exit on Phantom, but he's now redeeming himself in my eyes uh, with uh, really yep. working hard to rebuild the brand. Oh, do you remember the the whole Kyle Roach crypto leaks avalanche thing? Uh, oh, yeah, I do remember that. All of these yeah. people that were just pieces of shit that have been totally saved by FTX. It's like, it's whole fucking hilarious, dude. Uh, Canto well, luckily it's going to... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, luckily, we got a new year coming. So, exactly. Exactly. If we have a fresh crop of arrogant assholes. Uh, yeah. Sean says, what? a new rogues gallery. Three predictions. Oh, you got any predictions, Joe, for 2023? It'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I finally, Look, you I know, I wanted to do this. Yeah, I wanted to do a top ten, a ten list for this year, real quick. I mean, we can't do it now, but maybe we'll do it in Reddit or put it out on Monday show. Everybody, just put your yeah. your ten hold for one year portfolio. No trading, just holding spot one year. Pick ten. I like it. And let's do that. You can. I think you can put BTC and ETH and BNB in there too, if you want. Um, but anything. you know, pick token. ten, everybody, 20. and then we'll talk about it on Monday. And then we'll just track it. Everybody put it in Reddit and then we'll see who wins at the end of the year. Maybe we'll get a, the prize will be a guest appearance on the uh, DeFi lunch show. (laughs) I fucking love that. That's beautiful, dude. Okay. So everybody put down every, uh, the top 10 coins you would buy uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, Put those in Reddit. You don't have to do it on Sunday morning, but that would be the day to buy them on January 1st. 
Uh, and that'd be, you know what? We'll track it through the year, dude. Let's see how everybody's yeah. doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you will and not sell. You'll buy January 1st and you will not sell until midnight, December 31st, 2023. Let's yep. do that. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Love, so love it. All Great right, idea. Ben. All right, right wait, everybody wants predictions, Joe. Shizzy says, last show of the year was a great one. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Shizzy. We appreciate it, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see you next year. Joe said, see you guys next year. Shizzy said, we need some predictions, fellow. Where's Okay, here we go. They want where Bitcoin and ETH price will be this time next year. What do you got, Joe? Okay, ETH. I'm going to go 2800 Okay. ETH, BTC, Bitcoin. my call is by the end of the year, I'm going to say 35 grand. Okay. So, so 2,800 ETH, 35 grand for BTC. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was had in my head uh, 4,800 for ETH and nice. 58,000 for, for Bitcoin. I'll take your picks. There you go. All right. Chizzy, what are yours, buddy? You guys put your predictions too uh, for prices, Bitcoin and ETH and Reddit. We'll we'll set up uh, categories. Sean says BTC 225,000. ETH. I'll take your And so he. $20? (laughs) I I can't decide if he's shortening it, but I don't think he is. I think he's actually saying ETH will be $20. I don't, I don't think that's a ra- I don't think he's actually being very yeah, logical here. or I'm rational sorry. there. I think that's an emotional price choice, but uh uh cracks me the fuck up. Maybe he means 20 I love it. but uh, he did not write it that way. He wrote uh 20.0. <laughs> so, who knows. Uh, yeah. All right, folks. Thank you. A fantastic year. We had a blast hanging out, playing with you guys, talking to you guys. We appreciate you. We appreciate you taking part. Sean, thank you for becoming such a vital part of the show. Uh, We love having you on every Thursday. We appreciate you. We hope you are feeling better and that you get to enjoy uh, your night at the pub and you don't have to throw off your bar stool. And uh, Shizzy says 31,000 Bitcoin, 2,900 ETH. Nice, reasonable, conservative. Sean definitely confirmed that it was $20, not $20,000. And he gave us a hee-hee. Uh, we appreciate all of you participating and helping, everyone throughout the year that has. Uh, today, we appreciate Sh- uh, Shizzy, Sean, Niblets, uh, everybody that took part that's listening and watching um, part of the show. We appreciate Euphoric. Thank you for being here. Um, I hope everyone has a fantastic New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Enjoy yourselves. Please be careful. Uh, you know, we're at the point where we don't need to be uh, drinking and driving, folks. There's Uber and Lyft or whatever you have locally. Uh, Niblet says to the moon or something. Yeah, definitely, man. Let's hope you're right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. Please, if you're uh, uh, if you'd like to uh, have a one uh, end of the year thing you can do, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It does a big help to us in our ranking in the algorithm. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please click the thumbs up. Um, and make sure you subscribe and click the little bell for alerts. Tell your friends and family, tweet about it, whatever you like. We appreciate it. Joe, Sorry. have a great day. Hey, thanks everyone. It's been a great year. I love getting to know all you guys and it's going to be a much better 2023 for everyone. And thank you, Brad, for always doing the heavy lifting on this show and organizing it and making it all work. I really appreciate it. So both Thanks, all you buddy. guys Same have a great you. I appreciate doing it with you. All right, everybody all have right, a great man. one. Take care. Talk Bye-bye. to you later. Cheers.